What's up with you? Not a man. You at your office, you love that office. Oh, the office is great. Get to get away from um, parents or rental it's, responsibilities. It's basically the one time that I yeah. get to go out of the house. Yeah. You know? And it's safe. Yeah. So are you, you have a seltzer? Buy, do you ever go buy that. like a sandwich or something? And... Look at that. I got, I got a little seltzer too. These are better. Have you had these? Yeah, but those have calories, man. Bro, if you can't if you can't get an extra ten calories for a delicious drink, then you got a bigger problem to worry about. I know. I have that problem. It's ten calories. I it's know. a little like putting a little fruit in your Every little water. thing counts Mm-mm. with me. Pa- pandemic has not been good for my waistline. Uh, I've fluctuated. I know you're like running and stuff. You're like, like you're like the you and Leslie are the two people in all of New Orleans who go running. That's actually true, but I still have fluctuated. I like lost like almost fifteen, then I gained it all back plus, mm-hmm. you know, and then I the last couple weeks started getting my shit back together. So I'm like six pounds down right now. Okay. I got another five to ten to go, but the problem is. It takes you a month to drop a couple pounds <laughs> and one weekend doing yep. eating the way I like to eat and yep. drink, and it's literally all back mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. It like honestly, I can gain six pounds in three days without blinking an eye. Easy, easy. Yeah, I mean Thanksgiving week alone. I mean, I don't know what happened to me that it's. I actually was like, tragic. I didn't gain weight on Thanksgiving only because you, usually Thanksgiving for me is you know we're all together. I'm drinking beer. I'm I'm you know it's like. I come home, so I'm, I want to eat pizza. I want to go to this place. I'm actually just like was home, right? So it's like, right? You know, you don't. We you ate don't, a pie a day, right? Well, you had kids. Yeah, I also I don't have an excuse right now. Yeah. Um, are we talking to someone today? No, it's just no, us. It's just us. Oh, just us. I was like, I didn't prepare. Who are we? Who are we? Yeah, I was like trying to quickly like cram in some border <laughs> stuff to not look like a total moron. Yeah, no, no, it's just it's just us. Um, yeah. Let's just do a movie podcast where we can talk about <laughs> movies. I'm over politics. I'm just so over it. Like, you know, we have to s- talk about Joe Biden. Let's just stop talking about politics and just talk talk about issues. Well, that's what I want to do today. Great. You know, look at that setup. So, we're just yeah. we're getting good at this. Yeah, look at that. I didn't even you know. Just, you just teed no me right up. You teed me right up. Great. So, so let's do it. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Today it's just us. And we are going to talk about borders. Um, something that uh, the book something story. that I'm interested in. And I've just been reading all these articles lately that just makes me think about it. So I thought maybe we'd talk about it. All right. that we're going to talk about so did you hear about there was it's like a really like disturbing case um in georgia there's an immigration or immigrant detention facility um where a doctor was has been accused of of maybe at least 60 women of giving them hysterectomies without their knowledge yes um and these are all undocumented women um so the lack of documentation already sort of puts them in the shadows allows them to be detained and then they were told they were going in for certain procedures and then at the moment of truth they were then told what was actually happening it was sort of too late Mm -hmm. um 
And the way I'm thinking about this is like, okay, so one way you can think about that act and that event, um, and I want to note, note here is that it was a heroic nurse named Dawn Wooten who was the whistleblower on this. And the reason she came out about this is that she knew who this guy was, this, uh, this is Dr. Mahendra Amin, who was going around this facility, and he was known as the quote-unquote uterus collector amongst oh the nurses. Oh, my God. Right? So, so she came, she was like, what is this guy doing here? And so, you know, um, got to give her credit for, for speaking out. But so one way to think about it is like, okay, this is part of a long history of U.S. eugenics, right? That they're trying to prune the population, make sure that it remains a certain ethnicity and so on. And, and that's true. I think you can put it in that. But I want to sort of maybe discuss it more as the border itself and how, how when we think about borders, we think about, oh, it's like we're crossing into another country, right? Right. There's, you know, we get out your passport or whatever, and we can talk about why that is. But, but um, I'd make the argument that the border moves depending on the person. Um, and if you're undocumented, the border does not stop the minute you you cross over into a country that you're trying to get to and you're undocumented in. But then it can be in places like Georgia in a detention center that the border is operating there as well, right? So they're they're sort of non-contiguous. Um, so one thing, we, we, I think a general question is like, why do we have borders? Why do you think? Like the whole world right now, we sort of grow up with it. It was like, oh yeah, of course you have to have a passport. Of course there's border control, all of these things. Why do you think that is? I don't know, but I will quickly tell you a very awkward story that just mm -hmm. happened to me a couple weeks ago that I think uh, relates perfectly to this. Um, Leslie was writing an article about um, Dark Skies. She's working on this piece. Um, dark Skies, you know, for if you don't know, it's literally places that get certified with zero light pollution. You could like you could with a with a telescope, you could see the rings of Saturn, which mm -hmm. we saw. Um, one of the nights we stayed in a uh, Navajo. Um, uh, kind of like it, 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 it's, it wasn't camping. It was like an actual structure. There's, uh, you know, only fireplace heated it. There was no mm -hmm. bathroom. Um, and the Navajo woman that g gave us the tour of the property, I, I said, <laughs> I said, she was talking about the land. It's like, they could trace it back 20 generations, all this stuff. It's amazing. And she came back, you know, it's like, it's like all these cultures where you leave as a kid and then something brings you back, right? Mm -hmm. Your heritage brings you back. And she's like, and I'm here and I'm like running this, um, you know, uh, place you can rent and stay. And I said to her, <laughs> I said, how many acres do you own? <laughs> and she was very insulted. It was awkward. She was like, that's a really uh, Western American mm. thing of you to ask me. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't. Uh, and she was like, we like that's how you got you people think we nobody owns land like they're like, you know, there's an allotment that we're allowed to graze on. But she's like, I don't consider it my land. I don't own it like this is it's all of our land. And I my tail was between my legs. I was so embarrassed because <laughs> it was a simple I asked that to anybody. Yeah. Oh, nice, yeah. probably, nice house. How many acres in backyard? Yeah. Like, that's right. the way I've been trained. I. I I look at things yep. as borders and property. Yep. Um, 
So it as the first lesson I was taught in a really awkward situation. I didn't even apologize to her later. Like we had talked to her later and I just like, she had warmed up to us, but I was like, wow, I really insulted this woman. Like by asking a simple question, that is the way I was brought up. But to her and the Navajo people whose land we literally took, it was really insulting. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know why, but I'm going to guess um, money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that, I mean, that, uh, that, ownership of uh, uh, profiting off land, keeping, you know, I think there's, there's some, there's some profit. There, there's some capital in being able to prevent people from coming into a place. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, I think that's exact. I mean, for, if you think about like, just like drawing lines, right. And these lines are all imaginary. Right. And the only reason they matter is that we respect the imagination, right. That it's not like actual lines in the sand. Um, that, mm. you know, we just call it our property and hopefully everybody else respects that too. Right. Um, the, so I think that's true that the idea of private property depends on this bordering, but the idea that we need to have a regime that restricts human mobility around the world to literally say you can based on the accident of your birth, you can go here, but you can't go there um is mm -hmm. a new thing um it's less than 100 years old um and it's but it's but again if you're born into it it seems as natural as air right mm -hmm. that this is of course just you know not constructed in any way it's 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 just there it's just what it is and like so many things in the modern world the reason we have borders and i'm brutalizing a bit but it's also true is racism mm -hmm. um the the origins of now let me put it this way some form of borders have always been around with human sure. communities right like like the and also that sort of mine and thine the great thing wall. Saying, yeah yeah you can you can go back hadrian's wall the romans yeah, i mean yeah. you got all sorts of, of stuff right um military borders all that that that's there but literally the idea to say that you human beings because you were born in say i don't know haiti um you're not allowed to go to you know 60 percent of these other countries unless there's a slip of paper saying that you're allowed to go mm -hmm. um, is a very modern phenomenon um, it's extremely modern and so the question is how is it that we've come to accept that um, and then the other question i is like where it comes from and the, and the, the simple answer to that again is in the late 19th century there was a lot of out migration from China um, and Australia and the United States uh, were had a sort of racial anxiety that uh, the Chinese migrants would corrupt their pure white race um, and therefore basically invented border control. Um, that that's what you get or you you know in the US you get the Chinese Exclusion Act and things like that and then eventually by the 1920s, you got something called the Johnson-Reed, 1924 is the Johnson-Reed Immigration Act. What that does is it creates ethnic quotas, um, certainly for people from Asia, but also for Southeastern and Southern Europe Europeans. So like Italians, Poles, uh, definitely Jewish people from all over Europe, there's, there's quotas on literally how many of that ethnicity can come in. Right. Wow. So there's like a racial select and that lasts until the 1960s. Wow. Right. So and in 1924, you also get the creation of the Border Patrol. 
um, what's you know now the Customs and Border Patrol. So again, so before that, you didn't have these things. You did not the idea that um, people could move around the earth sort of rel with relative ease um, was kind of acknowledged, right? That that was like, yes, of course, you know, who who gets to say that, um, you know, some country can then have this inordinate power in saying that, no, 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 <laughs> you were born here, your country is effectively your prison now. Um, so, so in the early 1800s, for instance, yeah. you could go to Italy and buy a place and just live. Yeah, and of course, there's a class basis to this, right? right. So that you have to have the means to be able to do that. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yes. But, but um, now there's a sort of also the other thing is like, okay, there's ethnicity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then, and then post 1960s, they got rid of all that. There was like this big reform in the in the mid 60s, part of the civil rights movement, and it was part of like this trifecta of like the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, and then the Immigration Act all came together and they were all supposed to be, you know, and, and they were in, in certain cases like very anti-racist, right? They were like, we're not going to use racial selection anymore. Um, but we are going to say, you know, we're going to create thresholds of how many people can come in, period, you know, irrespective of race. But then we're going to use class as the basis. So we need educated people. We need people, you know, that sort of thing. And that ends up becoming a way to do racism without calling it racism. Mm -hmm. Uh, because the world is already organized so unequally, you know, economically, that and the race and class intersect. So you can you can sort of still do the racial selection, but still you have the plausible deniability. It's like no, 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 no. It's not about that at all. It's just you know, yeah, it's about money and you know, uh, you know, intellectual need or whatever. But yeah, in the 19th century, you could, um, for many parts of the world, and this is what's like, and if you think about it. It's so weird. It's it's actually maddening when you when you look into it because in the early 17th and 16th centuries, when like Spain was taking over the New World and so on, they had this whole argument. Their their lawyers um, got together in Spain and were like, "Are we allowed to kill these guys or not?" You know, that was their basic question. Was like, "Are we allowed to like enslave them? Like, what can we do to them? Right. And, you know, what 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 moral obligations do we have to these people that we've discovered?" Right. And their argument ended up being, you know, you can't just slaughter them outright and you can only enslave them if, if they resist Christ, um, because then it's good for them. Oh my God. Um, so that becomes a logic. But the other major thing is that it's the law of nations, they argued, that visitors should be welcomed. And the Spanish considered themselves visitors, right? So they were like, their argument was effectively, and this becomes the sort of legal basis for a continued European expansion across the world, that the law of nations, as they framed it, required that if Spanish ships were to, you know, hit the shore of, you know, say, modern day Argentina, uh, it would be incumbent upon the indigenous people to openly welcome them, and they had no rights on you know kicking them out anyway um i don't know so i'm i the the whole system as it is right now is very frustrating i mean i remember this when i was a college student because i was still an indian citizen then mm -hmm. and so when i went to france i did this abroad program in france right but i was the only kid on the program who didn't have an american passport wow and so what that, that yeah so what that meant was that they did all these trips within Europe, you know, like, oh, we're in France, so you know, we got an American passport, you can go anywhere in this Schengen zone. Yeah. Um, 
but I couldn't because I was an Indian. Wow. Uh, so they would go, you know, they would go, oh, we're just going to pop over to Switzerland for a weekend or this. And I couldn't because oh I would have God. to get a visa for every single country. Um, and and so there's like this, you know, it really is discriminatory depending on, you know, how, how powerful your country is considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're if they're powerful, then they get to sort of make these deals where there's sort of reciprocity that the English get to come here and the Americans get to go there. Uh, but then all these other places in the world um, yeah. get uh, get a, basically a regime of, of, I mean, I think it's like you get down to it, it's the control of literally where you can walk. Yeah, I experienced something like that a couple years ago when I went to Israel. Mm-hmm. We got, oh, yeah, we had a tough time that was the first time, you know, you typically as an American, you know, you don't really have a tough time. Do they look places. at your Facebook? Um, I think I was, I had deleted my Facebook by then. Okay. It was not as much me as it was Leslie. Leslie, because she's a journalist, had traveled to Morocco. Mm-hmm. She had gone to places. But we literally almost missed our flight. They held us up in a back yep. room going through our bags. Million questions. Um, and then the luggage didn't even make it. So we had to go buy clothes. Like that's how how close we were to not getting into the country. I, yeah. I, there was a, I actually thought, and this was in JFK. Yep. This was on, they, so the way they yeah. do their immigration is they have their people where the airport is. You don't even get on the plane. Yep. Once you're on the plane, you're clear to go. Um, that was the first time I ever experienced that. Cause you know, I went to, I li- I went to college in Canada. We used to go over the border with our license pre nine 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, a passport, I didn't even have a passport. I don't. Th- well, I must have had to have one. I remember I had a, a student visa, but I we would just show them our license, right? If they even asked, you know. And then once nine eleven happened, then the borders became a lot different. And now it's unfortunate, you know. Like I, I do a lot of business with a doc- I, not business, but I shoot. A do- I'm shooting a documentary in Terlingua, Texas, which mm-hmm. is like you could see Mexico across the Rio Grande, right? And it's a really interesting place because politically speaking, they are, they literally have carried, they, you can see their guns. I mean, these are, yeah. these are outlaw cowboys and people that live in the desert off the grid, but they hate the border stuff because they used to barter with the Mexicans. So all the old cowboys, they hate this. They're like you, the only people that are racist against Mexicans are people that don't live on the border. If you live on the border, like like we do, like you could see it, like they're our brothers. Like we used to drive the truck over there and we would give them this for that and go drinking and, and we never had any problems. That's a that's not a Texas down here thing, this border mm-hmm. thing. And I thought that was really interesting because it, it's not what I would have believed. And I asked them. I have it on tape, actually. I, I talked about Trump. I did all of that. And they were like, it's not they're not liberal people. They don't right. give a shit about the people right. I care about. But they were not pro-Trump. They they hate this stuff going on with Mexico. And it was like, wow, you, you guys are like the representation of what badass Americans were for my parents' childhood. It was like the um, John Wayne, mm-hmm. um, you know, like these are. Some of these guys have been shot. Like one guy has one eye, you know, because he wrestled a bull. You know, like this. These are badass dudes, and they, um, their view on the border shocked me. Like I thought they would be really racist, and they were. It was they were so far left when it comes to the border. Like like they thought think it's criminal. 
Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that there's they've got a sort of a, a libertarian bent too. Yeah, so yeah. That they want to sure. be able to go where they want to go, yes. and they don't want anybody telling them. Right? Yeah, and they're not afraid. You know? They're like, we carry guns. We're not afraid of you know the fake criminals and the drugs. Right. They're like, we're good. Like we're right, right. <laughs> That's an interesting story. I know. I mean, I I know the Israeli security regime is insane. That was uh, nuts. Yeah, but that again, there, there's like kind of American origins to that. Yeah, um, that what used again the the worry about asian migration created the whole consulate system where you would go and if you wanted to say come to america you would have to go to beijing and get or hong kong and get a visa and so effect again so the border moves from say hawaii or california all the way literally to a building in hong kong where they're saying no you can't go you know that mm. that the American border moves across the world, and that becomes a model. And the argument becomes that if you want to be considered like a sovereign state that's mm. legitimate, you got to be able to control your. You know, remember Trump was you know rising up, you know, the build the wall, everything. Yes, but he also said, you know, if, if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. You know, yes. that, that that sort of idea. What he's parroting is basically what the whole world believes, actually. Um, and, well, what's and, the alternative? I mean, no borders and we just go live where we want. I mean, that would be at this point, wouldn't that be chaos? Well, um, a couple of things. One is that the borders that we have are violent and murderous. Um, that the, 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 the most, southern border, southern border for sure, um, but also the borders around the world. The, the most dangerous border in the world is the Mediterranean Sea. Um, going into Europe from from Africa uh, in the past I think it's between like 2004 and 2016 I believe is there's 23,000 people who have died oh my crossing, God. crossing that border well, who's getting them um, so who's killing them the sea oh right the sea. so basically what's happened is that so if you think about it this way in in the Mediterranean migrants who are desperate economic migrants some of them are are, are you know war-torn sure. coming from war-torn and they're, they're, and they're technical yeah. refugees but other people are just living in grinding poverty um, right. and and are looking for something else mm-hmm. um, which is a whole other thing right that that the regime that we have that only allows refugees so defined as sort of fleeing for their lives from from violence means that you have to suffer just in that way mm-hmm. um, and that's worthy of attention but if you're suffering in another way it doesn't matter um, so you know let's call it you know to so 23,000 that's about half of the soldiers that we lost in Vietnam um, that's wow. those that they've perished from too much water right that they're they're drowning in the sea and in the American situation with the American Mexican border, what they've done is they've created these choke points where they're siphoning people into the desert, so they're dying of not enough water. And, and in both cases, they're sort of weaponizing the environment to to act as yet another border, right? So, yeah, that that might be order, but I think it's a violent order, sure, um, sure. and and an immoral one, right? So, so the the, and here's the other the the big kicker is is that people aren't allowed to move, but capital is allowed to move freely. Indeed. Right? The capital doesn't need a passport. 
right? They can, it can go wherever it likes and, and wreak havoc wherever it wants, and it doesn't need a visa. Uh, but labor, people who actually do the work, they are the ones who are controlled, surveilled, and monitored, and, and, and penned in effectively. Uh, and then killed in various cases, right? And then so, the wealthy can travel kind of. And that's the thing. There's the class yeah. things, right? So that people, when people talk about globalization, there's this sort of narrative that, well, the world has sort of become connected, right? Mm -hmm. We got this connected world and it's wonderful and, and connection's a good thing, right? That, that the world being closer together, seeing new cultures, all that, that's all positive. That might be true if you're like a business executive who, you know, is flying business or first class and, you know, is welcomed into every every country. Um, that's not the case for most of the world who are not that right. Most of the world is not that at all. Um, and if anything, what is the other aspect of globalization is borders themselves. The, mm. Like we didn't used to have globalized borders. Now we do. Right. Um, and so that's globalization at work itself. Um, well, and then you're know. starting to see what's going on with like the uh, with the sea, with the oceans, you know, the Chinese building islands. And I mean, I was just looking the other day. I, I don't remember the South China Sea where they built those fake islands yep. and they have claiming it's they're saying now they're doing it again um, off the coast of oh shit. I can't remember. But essentially, they're doing it. They're they're doing it more. And mm -hmm. They're expanding, mm -hmm. and all I see, all I think when I see that is like, okay, so this is this is what one of the big things when finally there's a big war. It'll be borders. There's a something called the UN Law of the Sea, mm -hmm. um, which basically yes. gives jurisdiction to countries anywhere between four point two miles i think and like 12 miles or something it's they expanded it yeah um, it, sorry 3.5 miles to 403 miles oh okay it's so there's a wide range yeah. depending on where you are in the world what that amounts to effectively is that 44 percent of the world's water and oceans are controlled by sovereign states so they have jurisdiction they can say you can go here so so not only the land but then also the water um, is being effectively, you know, colonized by these states. Yeah. Um, that, of course, like the next range will be air uh, with drones and stuff like that, right? So they, these different, you know, airspace is already a thing, but now it's gonna be like higher levels of airspace, you know. Different Let me tell you about this. Yeah. So this blew my mind. I was shooting something in New York a couple of years back, and it was about um, one of these new buildings going up. Uh, actually, where where um uh grand central is mm -hmm. the train station you know yep. there's a new yeah, yeah. huge skyscraper now right next mm -hmm. to that i had never known about air laws and air, air real estate so what happened there was if there are buildings that are zoned to go up let's i'm making up fake numbers eight stories but they're only at five you can buy those that airspace and move it to a different property. So in New York, a lot of these big skyscrapers where you're seeing it, it's like, how did that get there? They bought up these billionaire real estate people buy up other people's non-used zoning airspace. And then they bring it to that property and they get it because it it's in the, the laws. It's like a loophole. 
Um, so yeah, it's like a version of that mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, it blew my mind. I was like, what? You can own the air above your building? This is <laughs> seems a little nuts. It's crazy. And another thing is when we were doing this dark sky thing and we were looking at these telescopes, you don't see shooting stars anymore. You see satellites. I mean, mm-hmm. it's bananas. It's like littered. Littered with satellites. And they just keep going. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Because, you know, I, I come from New York where we have no stars. And I'm in New Orleans. And you see a little more mm-hmm. here. But it's not. It's nothing to brag about. So I don't really get to see that. And when I saw Well, you probably in Vermont get it. But we see a lot. And we see a lot of satellites. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, a shooting star. Yeah. And the dude's yeah. like, the, the, that's probably Elon Musk's uh, satellite. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so I could see it. And now, you know, with the with the race to get to Mars, with people now trying to mine minerals on the moon. And right. uh, it's just, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of hope for where we're going. The, I mean, I think it's, <laughs> again, it's it's a question. And, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll get to this as the Biden administration's kind of sort of comes into formation, right? I mean, we've got this shadow cabinet emerging, we're going to see where that's going. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going to have an, a phenomenal guest who's going to teach us a lot about that. But um, the the border thing is that what sounds radical, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. to to have open borders, um, much like what sounds radical, which is you know defunding the police and you know perhaps even police ab- abolition. Uh, is basically just sort of imagining a world that's better <laughs> than it is now, right? And that and that not having this sort of acquiescence of that, oh, well, this is just the way things are. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, wouldn't there be chaos? I think the question is, like, chaos for who? Well, Amit, we don't want ISIS coming here. We have a lot of enemies. <laughs> I know. That's the United the States has a fear. lot of enemies. The number okay? one And they want to come blow us up and right. shoot us, Amit. Okay. Right. I know. So stop trying to. Mean, meanwhile, people push from this. Michigan are trying to kill governors, but, but it's ISIS is the threat. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, it's a great, it's a, it's one of the all-time great uh, propaganda campaigns. It worked. It's worked on me. It's worked on me a lot because I just, I don't look at it like I'm, I'm afraid of these people. I look at it like I'm so afraid of what the United States is actually doing in other countries that it just kind of makes sense that if people could come here and blow us up, they would. And I don't think. You know, I don't, I don't want that to happen, but it's like, it's not so much that I'm, you know, what I'm, does that make sense? Am mm-hmm. I saying that articulately? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm not a, like, I've, yeah. I've been to the parts of the Middle East. I'm not afraid what I'm yeah. I'm never this... afraid. I've been all over Mexico. I'm not afraid I'm going to get abducted, but I am afraid if we were to just let anybody in, there would be people coming here to harm us because we're straight up droning people all over the world. And those people are pissed off. So I kind of like the borders for that, that reason. The, that the blowback. Of, yeah, of, of U.S. Of, foreign policy. Oh my is, God. is so yeah. bad that and, and the Israeli policy. I get it. I yeah. get why Israel has these borders. I mean, they're they're surrounded by people that hate them. Well, Israel, I mean, is like if you end up becoming like a Jewish Sparta, um, you're going to have to have a garrison state, and mm-hmm. and you know, you're you're fundamentally you know just a militarized state. Yeah, and and of course. Um, it, you're going to produce your your worst fears, so it's kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy for sure. You know, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if we started actually like, um, 
if we if we changed our foreign policy and we actually tried to preach peace, if we stop killing people, I, I mean, look, I know it's complicated. I'm sure we could get somebody on here that could justify a lot of the stuff and make a decent argument, but you know, you can justify anything, but it's really about what you, what your core values are. My core values are: I would rather see us have peace talks. I would rather see us negotiate and try to figure out a way to make the world safer um because at this point it's like okay iran wants a nuke this moron psychopathic man wants a nuke like they're gonna get him at some point right i mean we we have we have all the answers in our hand in these phones i mean we're we're facetiming we're we're going to mars we got a a million satellites in the sky they're gonna get it so at one point at some point in time the two options are going to be Let's have this big, crazy war like in the movies and people who survive can rebuild and try to survive and, you know, with life being different. Or we can't use these guys. We have to sit down and let's figure this out. Like, you can't keep claiming the sea. We can't keep, you know, torturing migrants coming in. We got to and there's going to be more migrants. There's going to be more poor people. I mean. That's another, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling, but it's, it's all tied into, I think, what our core values are, me and you, which is like, I, I'll take less money if more people can eat. Right. That's, that's, that's how I live my life. I don't, I mean, do I want millions and millions of dollars? Sure. But not at the cost of people suffering. If I can get a fair and square and do right by the people who helped me get there and put some money back in the system, I would love that. But at the same time, am I good where I'm at in life, not being a millionaire? hundred mm-hmm. percent. And if, and if I had to live like this or even with less, but more people could eat, I'm okay with that. And I don't think that's a lot. I don't think a lot of people think like that. And that's the scary part about where we're all going. And, you know, I, I think you're hit upon it exactly right, which is that, the way we kind of live now yeah. um, to reform it requires like a moral revolution that there literally has to be a revolution in morality because on, on the sort of individual level, collective level, um, and then only will, you know, politics follow, right? It, it's not where I, I don't think it, we, can, we can leave it to politicians to lead us to the promised land here. Um, Never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, except the, for AOC, maybe she can. She yeah. Can so, so, you know, they're, they're, they're glimmers of hope. Sure. Um, but, but even she is sort of produced from a movement, right? She, she's, she's coming out of, she's coming out of like the streets effectively. Who, yes. And, you know, she's, she's, she's not a career pilot. She's, she's somebody who um, has lived life and, and, and sort of has seized the inequities, right? Yes. Um, I, the, the border regime, and again, like I want to go back to this story of, you know, you end up, you're, a migrant for whatever reason basically for whatever reason you want to go from here to there nobody wants to be a migrant let's and, just okay nobody wants this nobody and, wants to travel freezing cold to the desert where half of the people don't make it no one wants this right right there's that and then you get to the place and you're imprisoned and you're um, made infertile right so that if this that, is some Nazi shit. If dude. that is the order we're talking about, I'll take chaos. <sighs> yeah, right. Yeah, so fair, you know, fair. you know that that this if these are the things that the, that the regime produces, and it does, and this is probably the tip of the iceberg, and this is just one one facility in Georgia, 
uh, in America, if you go around the world, there's, I mean, okay, we, we talked about Israel. For Israel, when they had uh, a mass migration a few years ago of Ethiopian Jews, no less, right? Not, you know, and the argument of Israel is that any Jewish person, if they want to be, isn't automatically a citizen of Israel. Um, when they came, they were allowed to stay only if the women were sterilized. You got to be kidding. Yeah, because they, they still have black. the racism, right? right? Oh um, they God. may be Jewish, but they're black Jews, and therefore that's going to sort of corrupt the the ethnic archetype of an Israeli. Um, so it's not one-off. It's, it's systematic, um, and I think it's an indictment of the whole system. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there are ideas about what could be done. It, and, and again, it, it doesn't mean that... Um, you know, you let people walk across the border strapped with 50 grenades and be like, hey, I'm just, you know, that that's not true. Um, but the idea that a piece of paper or your racial identity is the basis for whether you can move about the world um, is, is kind of a globalized system of racism. Indeed. You know, um, and to, to normalize that, I think is just, I mean, it's tragic, you know, so... That that's that's all I'm saying. I, I I don't know, you know, the the I think I'm sure you know immigration policymakers could could have you know ideas about what reforms or big changes could happen, but all I know is that there used to be a world where this wasn't the case. Now it's the case, <laughs> and that does not mean we're consigned to this forever. Yeah, but the world pre this was a world where not as many people traveled. Right? You weren't have. I mean, you weren't. People weren't flying. People were taking boats, you know, taking a month to get to Europe. So, you know, I think the flying I, people are not the ones we're worried about. Understood. It's right? the migrants. So for sure. it's it's the it's the people. The, it's basically the penning off of poor people around the world. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. You buy a house. You're next to a halfway house mm -hmm. connected to your backyard. Would you put up a fence? I don't know. Maybe, probably. Me too. Yeah. So isn't there a, a level? I would definitely put it. I have no problem saying that. Of course I would. I mean, mm -hmm. I, especially my kids. It's just, I'm good. I like the extra safety. Not necessarily anything's going to happen. Yeah. But there is a level of, at least for my basic thinking, I don't know anything about, you know, borders and I have no numbers. This is just going off of my own intellect. There's a certain level of... um there's a certain level of having a border that I like. Well, it's that I it's, that I think is important. It's a security blanket. Um, it's it's a it's psychological piece. Um, but Whatever on the other is, hand, living I, in I, this I, day I would and age. I would push back against yeah. the the halfway house as a stand-in for poor people around the world, right? You know, so so the halfway house is an example of people who maybe are coming out of, you know, out of jail. All right, fine, fine, um, fine, or, or fine, drug fine. problems, stuff extreme. like that. Okay, right. I would put up a fence if I were next to a house full of, you know, a house where there's, and I don't care, you could pick the race, the color, I don't, it doesn't matter. White, let's go white, right? To leave racism out of it. Poor white family, uncles living there, his kids, they're clearly, everybody's living there because they don't have money. I'd probably still put up the fence. I wouldn't be mean. I would say hi. I would get to know them, but I would 
because that's the way I'm trained. That could be looked at as like, you're, you're not a good, you know, I'm, I'm completely hypocritical because I also want everybody to eat, but I have for 40 years been trained that my house might get robbed or the uncle might molest one of my kids or, you know, that's the way I was brought up. So you also need to like, and I do think you're seeing it like for whatever the reason is all of you guys with your kids are way more, um, involved than our parents were like we used to oh, we used we to were, just have to be home for dinner we were semi-feral yeah exactly and we didn't you know nothing happened to us we're great we're alive we had blast i would never want it differently but i'm i can assure you when and if i have a child they're not going to have the freedoms i had because now i'm afraid they're going to die so i don't know how that happened nothing happened to me knock on wood all my sisters are alive like we're all healthy um, but I have a irrational fear and, and having the border is this little nice, it's horrible security blanket, security blanket yeah. that yeah. maybe the, if the guy next door, the crazy uncle wanted to come in and kill my family and he couldn't do it hop over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's just like the Mexicans, they're going to get in. He's going to have to do some squats. Yeah, the wall's not, the can, wall's not effective, right? The yeah. wall's not effective, but it makes people feel better. Right. So I think the bigger issue is how do we reverse our thinking? You know, I mean, all of the stuff, the Patriot Act, everything they're doing behind our backs and the spying on us, it's all based on the security blanket, the fear. Um, and it's getting worse, right? I mean, like we got meddling in the elections. We've got all this stuff like we're, we're being spied on. I mean, I have it when I'm when I'm on my computer, I have it posted over the camera because I'm afraid someone's watching me. No one cares about me. But I'm, that's where I'm at. It's like, I believe it. Yeah, sure. I'm, why not? I've, I've watched the Edward Snowden, you know, uh, um, uh, interviews where he's like, yeah, they could just listen to you right there. And I'm like, well, I, I got to cover the camera because probably they're spying on me because I'm up to, I'm boring. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a stupid analogy, but I do think the backyard fence thing is, it's, it's interesting to me because if I had a piece of property and there was neighbors, I don't care who they are, rich, poor. I put up a fence because I want, I like my, I don't want you coming on my property <laughs> unless I invite you. Um, so, so I don't, I'm, I'm a total hypocrite. Yeah. But, so yeah, I think there's one thing about, I mean, it's a, it's a big question, but yeah. one thing is like private ownership of property, right? That this is like, I paid money for this and it's private land. Sure. Uh, versus allowing people into a country unless you think of a country as just a sort of a privately held corporation. I which, do, because which, that's which the I, I think, yeah. Which I think is a sign of the times that many people do. Um, of course it is. The, the idea of a sort of public or commons is completely gone. Um, but um, if, if that's the case, then yeah, I think your analogy is perfectly legitimate. I just happen to disagree on, on the conception of, of societies as analogous to um, shareholders. It's a civic conception that I have much more than a market conception, mm -hmm. right? Um, so if, if we go with that approach, yes, you know, your personal private fence uh, because you don't want your dog to run away or whatever, you know, fine. Or no, you I, don't want want the, I don't want the or, creepy or, uncle or you don't, or you want the creepy family. uncle leering. I don't care about the dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the, the uncle that's going to kill us. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so um, I'll give you that. Um, but 
if we scale that up, then effectively, and I think I think what you've described is is correct. It's the diagnosis of the world we live in. I just don't happen to like it. Is that each country, especially rich countries, um, are just one giant gated community, right? And and that if that's the case, um, why is it then uh, that capital does not need any right. regulation well, yeah. to go across? But then that's because the owners are, are getting know. rich. I mean, <laughs> you know this. Yeah, I mean, I, I. I live, I, I walk on, on shoes of hypocrisy every day in my life. I mean, I, I wish it were different. I want it to be different. I can assure as I'll tell you what's going on in Georgia. People should be locked up and thrown away forever. Um, more people, not the migrants. I'm talking yeah. about the people, the doctors, the doctors. Yeah. It's yeah. disgusting that I'm, I'm, I could never condone any sort of people in cages, kids being ripped from their family. That's disgusting to me. Actually, it actually depresses me when I see it. I'm, I'm shocked that that is the country that I'm living in. And I know we're not the only people doing it, but we should be doing better than that. Um, but I'm also the person where if I have a kid, like there's an invisible fence around that motherfucker. Like you're not who, whose house are you yeah. sleeping at? I need yeah. to like, these are interviews we're going to have. It's not like when we were kids, where are you going? Well, Carl's house. Hey, cool. See you. Son, be home Sunday. Like right. <laughs> that's I mean, never Meanwhile, happened. Carl doesn't exist. <laughs> oh no, Carl exists. I threw up at his 17th, his 18th birthday party drinking Captain Morgan's, but you know, um, that's what I'm saying is like, I, I think it's a culmination of social media, the internet. Um, let's be real. We're all feeling it. You're back on, Facebook, there's no way your life got better because of it, right? I'm sure you probably have more anxiety or something you're not even aware of. I hate it. I want to get off of all of it. I want to delete my Instagrams. I can't quite, I'm not there yet. You know, like, and this, I'm a former smoker who I went through all this smoking and smoking. I'll take smoke. If, if you told me you could smoke for the rest of your life and not get cancer and not feel like crap and then lose all social media, I wouldn't even blink an eye. <laughs> I would take the pack of cigarettes and smoke all day. So this is, it's just, it's a new challenge for me because I don't know what I'm going to get out of becoming a, a social a technology based um, hermit. Like, I don't know if that's even healthy for me at this point. I, I don't, I haven't gotten there. I think we're all learning, but I do think we will look back at the cell phones as we did cigarettes. And I, I mean, come on, and, 30, 50 years from now, we're going to be like, we fucked those kids up, dude. Mm -hmm. Those kids are screwed up. Their brains are not right. They've got mental mental issues. I mean, we know it. You see it, right? But um, it all. my point is that it all plays into this fear. I have an irrational fear that I think we all kind of feel. I think there's neg the negative world we live in, the, informa the instant information, the, um, you know, the media, the, the way politics are going i just it's all part of this i think border conversation we're having where it's all based off fear and irrational fear with zero basis but i have it i feel it every day um and i do fight it a bit but yeah. i don't have kids i can't even like that is my big fear about having a child is that like i don't want to be that person that you know then my kid one day I'm gone and they're like, yo, my dad was nuts. This guy like wouldn't let me, you know, tie my shoes because he thought I would die. You know, or, like, or the greater fear, which is that 
your peers will say, wow, you really neglect your kids. You let them do, you know, you don't, yeah. you know, that, that's an even greater one, right? Yeah. Is, is, is that, oh, I'm getting, being judged. Um, right. We just but, live in this world yeah. where we're all, we can be instantly ruined because of a picture <laughs> because, and I, I'm just saying, I think it all plays into, I don't know what the answer is. I'll never, be, I'll never have that answer. That's the, I don't have the brain capacity or the intellect to figure it out. But someone needs to figure out. Well, look, how we you, reverse this. What, what you're talking about is like the classic tension of you know security, liberty, right? Yeah. That, that you want security, but you also want to be free. You know, what's the yeah. right balance, right? I'm a you know, you know, <laughs> and 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 yeah, I mean, and that that's that's legitimate and 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 i think it's always negotiated there there is no resolution to it it's always a sort of balancing act um what i'm just sort of trying to highlight is that what we have now in service of the supposed security that is then supposed to provide a freedom yeah is completely immoral Um, right and and um and two things first of all it's not even effective um that if if your only goal is creating a regime that stops people from moving good luck to you because all of human history is people moving about right so that that it's not it's never going to work um second the way it's being done the way it's being executed um is totalitarian i don't know it's 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 basically instrumental cruelty Mm -hmm. right that we are going to create the situation that we know you're very poor we know that you know because of various historical forces the country or region you're coming from has been devastated by the global economy um but we're going to consign you to living there forever um and should you choose to leave to maybe try to get a a, a great job as a food delivery person in in europe or something like that you might well drown right mm-hmm. that's the situation that we've set up um and that sort of infernal logic has got to go you know that Mm -hmm. that's that's uh, that can't be uh an the way things are right i I just think that and and again the story in georgia is it's 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 not even extreme example it's it's one terrible example amongst many others and has Um, anybody been arrested no of course not yeah. Well, the Biden administration has a lot of cleaning up to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they do it. Yeah. I hope they pack the administration with liberal-minded people. Um, but my God, they got a mess to clean up, and I'm, I, 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 fear, I fear for them. I don't. I, it's not. It's not some. It's not a task I would be very eager to uh, jump on. But man, so good transition. You know, you set it up so well today and and you're transitioning out so well. All right. So so next week um, we've got a great guest, Sam Moynes, coming on and he he does a lot. He does so much stuff. But but um, he's got some great commentary on kind of what is to be done in the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. And and he'll he'll talk about what he his assessment of who 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 the who the roster is of this new cabinet. Fantastic stuff. I've been watching. Yeah, I've got some thoughts myself. Yeah, um, that's exciting. Yeah. I uh, yeah, we'll do that next week. Yeah, yeah. great. All right, so um, it is the Christmas season, the holiday season. It's the season for gift giving, 
And if you have not yet bought a T-shirt, we've got a few dozen left, and that's it. And I and buy a T-shirt. We lose money on this podcast. Ama and I don't make a dime. We literally lose money talking and trying to entertain you people. And yes. we love it. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying we 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 have T-shirts that you literally get to buy something as a gift for somebody for less money than you would have spent on a burger and a beer pre-COVID. Yep. And you actually are helping yep. wonderful organizations yeah. uh, in a really crappy time. We, we unlike many podcasts, um, do not ask each week to get to give us money to the patreon account or whatever but if um, you do this, want to give us money i mean we'll take it please but, but, email but, us <laughs> we would love listen, to take it i'm very happy to give you my personal phone number so yeah we remember we had two episodes on on these we've had the organizations on uh migrant justice advocates for the migrant labor population up in vermont um and they need a lot of advocacy uh, and then Operation Restoration down in Tony's neck of the woods in New Orleans that's helping women and girls transition from lives of incarceration back into society. Come on. They are getting everything. We're not taking a dime. Um, so uh, it's these are worthwhile causes, and uh, we're asking you to to reach out. And again, it's not a lot. It's 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Yeah, do something good, okay? It's not that hard. And if you listen to this podcast, don't be a hypocrite like me, okay? Because you are left and you're a liberal. I don't think we have a lot of hate righties listening to us. Yeah, that would be great. I, I, yeah, that would be interesting. Be great. I'd love that. I we'll would like. We need to. We need to do that. We need to get a right wing guest, but There's not like of... the super angry one, though. No, I, I don't. No, I, don't, I, don't I, would, I don't even know how to deal with that. I, you, like I think you. Could, I think you could manage that. I don't know if I could deal with that. Well, I can manage it based off of like just being myself, but not, I don't, I don't necessarily have the knowledge to, I can't, I mean, I would get, to, I'd be toast in a debate. I mean, I don't, I just don't have the, the historical context for anything. You, I would like to see, I'd love to put you up against one of these nutcases <laughs> because, you know, I don't know why there's not more historians named to like these administrations. It's that, that would be my first thing is I need a couple dope his, historians to keep me on track. But you don't get to see it as much on um, when you do get to see a good historian on like CNN or something. They always win. Mm -hmm. They always win because they're like, oh, actually, in the 1500s. And you're just like, damn, <laughs> I didn't go back that far. This but, is true. Yeah. You guys, I'd love to see it. We'll get there. Matter of fact, if anybody knows a real right winger out there, send them our way. We'll, yeah. We'll be as nice as yeah. I'll be nice. Amit will. We'll try to I'll control nice Amit. All right, well, um, let's wrap it up. Yeah. No Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by Av Prakash. Um, we should give a shout-out to the wonderful artist doing artwork for us now. Yeah, Mike Kin. That's right. Mike um, Kin is, is um, hooking us up, man. This guy's, you know, you'll start seeing it on the Instagram and, and, so, and Facebook, but he's, he's doing these really yeah. awesome little animations for our yep. episodes, and it's yep. phenomenal. It's going to be related to, like, some cartoon or animation each yeah. week that's related to the episodes. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Buy some T-shirts. A couple weeks left for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Come on. 